Please open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. We're changing the flow a little bit today as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, which will be next Sunday. As we prepare to read this scripture, please understand that the context of the book of Hebrews involves the people who'd come out of a Jewish culture who seemed to be leaning on returning to the Jewish culture. We don't exactly know why, but in the, in the letter that I believe Paul is the author of, that uh, he is challenging them to see that everything in the Old Testament was fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And therefore, in Jesus, you have all you have. You don't need to go back. And if you notice, uh, verse 19 begins with the word therefore, which is one of those connecting terms. What has just been said is the basis of what is going to be said. And so there is a tie here as uh, he's going to talk about the reality of Christ and then what that means. We're going to look at three exhortations that are based upon this person of Jesus Christ and the fulfillment in the Old Testament. And as we look at these exhortations, draw near, hold fast, and consider. I want you to think of upward, inward, and outward. And Lord willing, that will make sense as we go through the Word. It's our privilege to be reading the very inspired, infallible, and inerrant Word of God. Therefore, out of respect and reverence for the author of Scripture, please stand for the reading of His Word this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for the privilege of being able to study Your Word. We commit this time to You. And uh, Father, we just just pray that You would guide and direct us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. At the beginning of this paragraph, Paul reminds the people, basically, of what he's been talking about in the previous ten in reference to the structure of the Old Testament being fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's this fulfillment that lays the foundation for these exhortations. For example, Paul tells them that, brothers, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, a new and living way. Now, when you think in terms of the Old Testament priesthood, it was the priest that entered into the temple. It was the priest the, 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 it was the priest that offered the sacrifices, and only one time a year it was the priest, the high priest, who was able to enter the Holy of Holies, which is where God's presence was. If you remember the structure of the temple, 
you had the courtyard in which you had the altar of burnt offering, and then you had the, the, the laver where the priest would wash his hands, and then you enter into the, uh, the, the larger room, the holy place where you had the table of showbread, the candlesticks, and the altar of burnt incense. And then you had a heavy veil that separated the larger room from the smaller room, the Holy of Holies, which contained the Ark of the Covenant, which you remember represented God's presence with His people. And only one time a year, only on the Day of Atonement, when they had the blood of the Lamb, could anyone enter into God's presence. And then He would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat to represent the the shedding of blood for the sins of the people. and, And He would leave. So only one time and one time only. Did this happen? Well, we find here uh, that through Jesus that we're able to enter that holy place any time. Because when you remember the events of the cross, when Jesus said, it is finished, what happened to that veil in the temple? Remember, it was torn from top to bottom, thus signifying that the way was open that could come into God's presence. The second thing that Paul says here to remind the people of this great priest is in verse 21 when he talks about we have a great priest over the house of God. The reminder that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of that priesthood. Therefore, because of what Jesus Christ has done, we have these three exhortations. First of all, let us draw near. Now, the picture of drawing near is is coming into the presence of someone. And what Paul is telling us here is that we are to draw near into the presence of God with a true heart and true assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and bodies washed with pure water. The picture is, brothers and sisters, as Paul is talking about coming into God's presence, that no longer is sin that which keeps us from God. No longer is that barrier, that barrier which separated us from God, no longer is it there. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 2 when he says that barrier has been removed. The sin that we have committed has been washed in the blood of Jesus. And thus, there's nothing to keep us from entering into God's presence. A new relationship has been established. A relationship, when you read Romans 8 and Galatians chapter 4, brothers and sisters, a relationship that falls under the theological word adoption. What happens when you are adopted? Well, Paul tells us in Romans 8 and Galatians 4 that God has taken us out of the domain of darkness. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and He has transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. We are now His. He has adopted us. He made us His. Paul goes on to say, because we have been adopted, He made us His, remember, that we are now able to cry out, Abba, Father. The picture here is one of great intimate relationship. 
the word Abba would be, if we translate, if we brought it into English, translated it into English, it would be like calling God Daddy. It's a term of endearment. It's a term of relationship. And also, Father, which is the term of respect. And so, by God's grace, through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been adopted. We've been made a part of the family. So, because of that, Paul says that we're to draw near in terms of that relationship. So, brothers and sisters, what we see here is that God is not distant. He's, he's not removed. He's not out there doing His own thing. He's very much involved in the lives of His people. He has entered into a personal relationship with us. A personal relationship that allows us to call Him Daddy. The great Lord of the universe who created all things out of nothing in six 24-hour times has entered into a relationship with us. And He tells us to draw near to enter into that relationship. One of the ways I think that it has helped me to understand the significance of this. Y'all remember Life magazine? It was a big thing when I was, you know, junior high, high school, stuff like that. And, and uh, there was a picture in Life magazine that uh, uh, involved uh, JFK when he was president of the United States. And, you know, the president is referred to as the most powerful man in the world, right? And when he's in his Oval Office, that's where the most powerful man in the world is working, Right? Okay, John Jr., who I think was three or four at this time, had walked into the Oval Office and had climbed up into his daddy's lap. So here's this little child. No idea that his daddy is the most powerful man in the world. No idea that his daddy's sitting behind his presidential desk in the Oval Office. He just knew he was what? He was daddy. Guys, that's the privilege that we have, the confidence that we have in that intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. He is not distant. He is not removed. He is here. We're in that personal relationship with Him. In fact, this great and awesome God of the universe is beckoning us to enter into His presence because of Jesus. And it is a personal relationship. How is your relationship with the Lord? Do you know Him as the one true God of the universe? Do you know his son Jesus? Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3 that the most important thing in the world is that relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul uses phrases like the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The phrase surpassing value means that there is nothing else of equal value anywhere in the world. And we have the privilege 
of living in that relationship. We who have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so I encourage you that you look at your life. You know, it doesn't matter how many times you've attended church. It doesn't matter how many Sunday schools you've been to. It doesn't matter all these different things. What matters is your relationship with Christ. And that's the relationship that is the most important thing in your life. Surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For those of you who do know Jesus Christ as Lord, and as Savior. What are you doing to draw closer to the Lord? Remember the Scripture says, draw near because of the work of Jesus. Secondly, Paul says, let us hold fast. Well, he's talking here about that which is the picture of, of an anchor, you know, it's a uh, you know something that's going to that's going to be sure, that's going to secure the boat uh, by gripping to the bottom of the harbor, keep it from floating free. So it's the idea of, of being able to grab hold of something that is solid, something that is that is going to keep you secure. You're going to hold fast. It's the picture of the anchor. Now, as we think in terms of what Paul is saying here, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. He's talking about, may we be faithful to what we believe. May we understand the essence of the Christian faith and and, and may we hang on to that confession without wavering, without shaking. And we are able to do this because of God's great faithfulness. Listen as I read from 2 Timothy 2 Timothy was probably Paul's last letter. We we see that from some of the phraseology that he uses here. And in verses 8 through 12 of chapter 1, he's talking about not being ashamed of the gospel, not being ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. And keep in mind, here was a guy who traveled all throughout the world and had been persecuted for the faith, had been run out of town, you know, all these different things that had happened to him, but he wasn't ashamed of it, and it didn't matter what suffering was involved, you know, that he knew God had saved him, and, and, and he was going forth. That's that anchor, the knowledge, that relationship with the Lord, that we would hold fast to that. We know what we believe. And Paul goes on to say, beginning of verse 11, as he talks about this this goal of his, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know what I have believed. Remember the great hymn of the faith? And I am what? I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. As we understand the significance of the faith, and as we understand our task within the living out of this faith, and the reality of that faith as it is demonstrated in our lives, that we're able to do this because God is faithful. Paul says, that he has committed his life to the Lord and he knows that the Lord will take care of him. 
What are you doing to hold fast? Are you reading the Scripture consistently? Do you avoid worship whenever you can? Do you look forward to the fella, to being in the fellowship of the body? These are things that are part of the strengthening of one's faith. These are things that go into keeping us strong that we're able to hold fast. We're able to maintain the consistency of that Christian life because, brothers and sisters, it is a challenge. First of all, we're, 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 uh, we're dealing with Satan who would love to trip us up whenever he can but realize Satan can't make us do anything. We're dealing with a world that hates what we stand for. Jesus told us that in the, uh, in the upper room when he was talking to his disciples that you're going to be persecuted because the world hates me. And we're dealing with the old man, the old nature, that is, as we're continuing to grow and have to deal with that on a daily basis. And so in the midst of that, we've got to maintain the reality of that faith. We have to hold fast. That anchor has to be secured at the bottom of the harbor. And we can do this because God is faithful. I'm reminded of the portion of Scripture in Lamentations chapter 3 where Jeremiah in verses 19 and 20 describes a picture of a man who is thoroughly frustrated, a man who is hurting. And so in the midst of the daily affairs of life, you see, as he sought to hold fast, you know, he's hurting. In verse 21 he says, This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. In other words, I can hang in there. How can he do that? This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. It is because of the Lord's loving kindnesses that we are not consumed. For His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. I think I've talked about this before. What in the world is the significance of new every morning? And if I have talked about this, this is like a pop test. If I haven't talked about it, count it up to senility. What's the significance of new every morning? When the sun comes up, what? It comes up in the east every day. Throughout every day of history, the sun always comes up in the east, right? doesn't come up in the west every once in a while to teach us flexibility. Every day. So, folks, even creation demonstrates God's faithfulness. And so in the midst of God placing us in, in, in a world in which we're to impact, we're able to maintain the strength of our faith. We're able to maintain the strength of our testimony to hold on because of God's great faithfulness. And as we seek to do that, not earning points to get into heaven, remember, we're saved only through Jesus Christ. 
But because of what Jesus Christ has done in our lives now, this is what we want to do. And so we hold fast. We know what we believe. We know that Jesus is the only means by which anyone can be saved. And we seek to live that out. We hold fast because God is faithful. And then Paul says, And let us consider how to stir up or how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. The word consider here means to, to pay attention to, to, uh, to demonstrate continuous care. And so it's the picture of being concerned about ways in which we can stir up or ways that we can, we can stimulate, ways we can provoke or incite or strongly encourage one another to be what the Lord wants us to be. So, remember the upward was what? Draw near. The inward was what? Hold fast. The outward is what? Now we look at each other. And the idea is, brothers and sisters, thinking of ways in which we can strengthen each other. Ways in which we can minister to each other to keep each other strong. Uh, Proverbs 27.17 speaks of this when the phrase is used, iron sharpens iron. When a soldier goes into warfare, he takes out his sword and what does he do? He sharpens that sword, right? So it will become a more effective means to accomplish what needs to happen in warfare, in battle. The picture is that as Christians, we are to be sharpening each other, strengthening each other, so that we are able to more effectively serve that great King who loves us, that great King who has given us given us a task. We're able to encourage one another, build up one another, because guys, we're all in this together. Remember, a church is a gathering of God's people, people whom He has drawn together. And He's molding and shaping us and He's strengthening us so that as we grow in Him, we in turn go out. Remember the Great Commission? Did Jesus say, sit around and make disciples? What did He say? Well, basically, guys, what he said was, you come in those doors to get fed, to be strengthened, to have your wounds bound up, uh, to be healed, uh, to, to, to be put back together, all that kind of stuff, so that when we walk out those doors, we are what? We are back in the battle. And it's in the battle, it's out there, that the reality of Jesus Christ is demonstrated to a world that needs Jesus Christ. So ministry, brothers and sisters, takes place here as we consider how to, how to stir up each other, how to encourage each other. So we're built up here so that we go out to carry the name of Jesus to those outside. And that's a responsibility, as I 
believe we talked about two weeks ago, that every one of us have. If we claim the name of Jesus, every one of us is called to be considering how we can stimulate, how we can strengthen one another so that we go out using the gifts, the interests that God has given to us to impact the world in which we live. Because of Jesus, we are to be striving to serve our King by coming alongside one another and encouraging one another for the mutual upbuilding of the body that we would be the instruments that God would use for His glory. Upward, inward, outward. Draw near to God. He's our Father. Ah, He's our Daddy. Hold fast to what you believe because God is faithful. Consider how to encourage one another to be faithful in the battle. Upward, inward, outward. Let's pray. Father, we do come before you recognizing that without you we are nothing. And yet with you, O Father God, Jesus has made us everything. He has made us significant. He's given us meaning to life. And we have the privilege of serving Him. Oh, Father, help us to understand the significance of being able to draw near. And may we spend much time close with You. May we understand what it means to be faithful to what we believe. To not say one thing and do other things. But to be what You want us to be. And may we, dear Father, think more highly of others than we do of ourselves. That we might be concerned about others. That we might truly seek to build each other up. For it's in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen.